0: Hello and welcome to Connected episode one hundred and ninety seven. It's brought to you this week by Squarespace, Pingdom, and Casper. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am not on stage this week with my co-host. We are all back in our homes, recording alone, staring into the soulless eyes of our computers. I'm joined, of course, by Federica Vitici.
1: What do you mean? I'm recording in front of my neighbors. I have an audience. Everybody's looking at me. The whole the whole building. I was like, uh, I cannot do shows by myself anymore. So you guys should come and watch. It's kind of creepy, but it gets the job done.
0: <laughs> and uh, Mike Hurley, how are you?
2: I don't like this introduction. I like it when the introduction is so loud that you have to <laughs> to bring the volume down. In the, I actually wait. This is something we spoke about. So the cheers, which were incredible, I definitely got the energy on our live episode last week. They were so loud when me and Federico came on that Stephen had to duck the audio. I still want the raw audio, like I wasn't joking. I want to hear how loud it was again and again and again. So it was great. I uh, th- there are very few things in my professional career that when I'm finished with them I feel like oh that was perfect. Last week's show was perfect. So thank you to everyone who came out. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened to it. It was an incredible episode. I loved it so much.
0: It was it was a lot of fun. And if you if you haven't listened, you sh- you totally should. Uh, but the end of the show, we announced a couple of things. Uh, we are going to be taking the show on the road this fall. We'll be in Chicago with Upgrade on Monday, October 22nd. That has sold out, but there's a wait list, so you could hop on the wait list and, and see how that goes. And then we'll be doing uh, Connected in New York on Thursday, October 25th. And as my speaking this word out loud right now into my microphone, there are a few Tickets left. And uh, so if you're interested in coming to see us in New York, I would definitely click on that link. Those links will be in the show notes this week for your uh, clicking pleasure. The Relay Road Trip is what Jeremy's calling it in the chat room. I like mm. that. That is nice, actually. Relay I, Road Trip. We should have come up with that name, to be honest. That's that's really pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Gosh darn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> So we have uh, we have a little follow up. Uh, I wanted to point people to an interview I did with Greg from Smile. Uh, Smile, of course, everyone knows from Tech Expander and PDF Pen. They sponsored a bunch of shows here on the network, uh, but uh, I was able to sit down with Greg and do an interview because their company is turned 15 years old this week, mm, and wow. uh, I think that's a heck of an achievement. We're talking about some of their early software, guys. They had software for like making labels for like DVDs and for faxing like all sorts of crazy stuff. You're the stuff. only
1: customer left, right?
0: <laughs> of the disc of the disc making software yeah, and the labels
1: and the printing and all of that.
0: Yeah, they they took it off for sale and said, "Hey man, you got to get me a copy because uh, I need it. I need to archive that." Um, I was thinking about this
2: cuz I read this interview and one I love Smile. Smile have been a supporter of Relay FM since the very beginning of it. Like they took a chance on us, like before we were even a thing. The other is I really like the idea of, of a company turning fifteen years old. It just makes me feel better about my own company, right? Like, oh, okay, we're about to turn four. Maybe we can make it to fifteen. Like that's that feels like a good thing. So I appreciate knowing this information.
1: Yeah, I can relate yeah. to that, especially because Maxoris is gonna be ten next year. That's not possible. Um,
2: Yes, it is possible. No, it's not possible. How did you do that?
1: Well, you know, the time time Are you goes old? on.
0: Are you old, like Steven?
1: No, I started. I was say
0: our, our websites differ in age only by a year. Yeah, but the five twelve will be ten the, this the year. The difference
1: is in spirit, uh, Steven. We we talked about <laughs> this before. Uh, <laughs> 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 so yeah, I started when I was a uh, you know uh, when I was twelve basically, and now I'm, now I'm twenty two. So, oh, you know, everybody nice. knows. Everybody knows that.
0: I was 67, you know, I, this is retirement age blog. I love
1: that you're just leaning into it yeah. at this point. It, it was,
0: uh,
2: was Stephen's <laughs> retirement idea. It's like, oh, I got all this stuff. I mess. should be a
1: blogger <laughs> now. <laughs>
2: what else am I going to do? And all may these well.
1: labels that I've been printing. I yeah, may as what well just do something
2: <laughs> with all these Macs I've been accumulating over the last 30 years. Oh, boy. Man.
1: So you were saying, um, Smile, the, the interview.
0: Yeah, so I I was was happy how it turned out. Uh, I think it was really interesting to talk to them about the evolution of if you think about it, really everything, right? They they started when it was just the Mac OS X was very new, and they sort of took a chance on OS X and it paid off. But now they're of course on iOS, and like we talked about, them buying uh, Text Expander—that's something that was a a, an acquisition for them, and the. the transformation of that into a cloud sort of, like, 21st century service. Uh, it was really interesting, and I, I enjoyed being able to do it, so uh, I owe a big thanks to Smile for uh, letting me talk to them and uh, and being – I think if you read through the questions, like, they they just kind of lay it all out there. We talked about – they tried for a while putting some of their software in, like, retail stores, like Apple retail stores, and, like, they had, like, boxes designed and printed, and, like, that didn't do very well, and we kind of talked about that. So it was fun to kind of get – the story from uh, a couple different sides. Anytime you can get some history, you'll take it. That's right. It's true. So speaking of no, history... Ho- let-
1: hold on a second. Before you, mo- you move on, there was a thing in my notes uh, which uh, relates to oh, you. No. Here we um, go again. We, I was advised by Michael last week to Uh-oh. thank listener Austin, who yes. came to the live show at WWDC. And can you can you tell Mike the story of what happened? <laughs> with Austin and, and the live show?
2: So we uh, we bumped into Austin first at ATP and Austin had a gift for us, but we would not accept the gift until Stephen was there. Um, Austin brought with him the Logitech mouse manual <laughs> that we spoke about many weeks ago <laughs> when we were talking about the Logitech crayon and Stephen got very excited about this really old mouse manual that he found yes. on eBay. <laughs> Um, and Austin <laughs> bought that and brought it with us. And, uh, now Stephen has the manual and me and Federico each have, uh, a, a floppy, floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah, um... Uh, listener Austin thank you for um, doing that, and especially for the floppy disk. Uh, I know that Stephen was really happy. I have a bunch of photos of Stephen being really excited yeah. to put his hands on on that really old book. Um, and
0: it- I can I can do him better. I ha- he gave it to me. You guys yeah. want to hear it? Yeah, oh, please. That's what. Have
2: you read it? Yeah, even
1: even even the pages sound old. So um, yeah. Uh, thank you, Austin, and I'm really happy that you're happy, Stephen.
0: Yeah, I'm up to the chapter, the Point and Click trademark shell for Lotus One Two Three trademark. So, awesome, sounds coming right along. Sounds awesome. great.
1: <laughs> really, really hot stuff. Um, <laughs> sounds, sounds uh, you can good. move on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So, speaking of history, let's talk about the workflow app. We have what may be the best use of workflow yet, and it is put together, uh, really. The art of emoji and the science of the Tichi scale into something that, that, quite honestly, I think it could change my entire outlook about the iPad. I think I could work on iOS now because of this workflow. So, uh, when do you guys want to walk us through what this workflow does? So, this was uh, created by
2: uh, Rosemary Orchard and uh, Matt Casanelli. If you install this workflow upon your device, at any point you will be able to invoke the Tichi scale um so you will be able mm-hmm. to to tweet with your h- how you feel something ranks upon the Tichy scale um it gives you the option to choose uh which uh of the areas you want to be pointing towards so maybe you think something's nightmare or or good plus and then it will spit out an emojified version of the Tichy scale for you so you can rank things whenever you please it is stupendous
1: yeah yeah and it's a it's a really great way to have instant access to one of the greatest um, uh you know types of measurements uh, of all reinvented. time. I mean one day we will look back uh you know uh, names such as Copernicus or Galileo Galilei and then we're also we're also gonna, the teach scale <laughs> up there the teach scale system <laughs> one of the greatest revolutions of our time <laughs>
2: It's the only true way to understand how much you love something or feel about the, something. It is
1: the it's a it's a scientific way yeah. to to grade your love or hate for something.
2: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you think about it, it's all love, really. You know. If you think about it, just something like you have to have negative love and positive
1: Neg- love Neg- Exactly. Yes. Let's, let's uh, retire the word hate and use negative love instead. <laughs> 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 so, oh boy. <laughs> so now there's a workflow for that or a shortcut soon enough.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Can you imagine that you'd mm-hmm. be able to just activate this thing by voice? Like, like, I don't know how away. that would work, but maybe mm-hmm. we'll find out later on in the show. Uh, I have one last piece of follow up that I wanted to mention before we move on today. Um, Apple has clarified emoji use in app review guidelines. So they've updated the app review guidelines. Remember, we were talking about this a bunch. We had Jeremy Burge on the show um, to talk about when apps were getting rejected for using emoji. Well, Apple has clarified it to say apps may use unicode characters that render as apple emojis they use an s which is interesting in their app and app metadata apple emojis may not be used on other platforms or embedded directly in your app binary so basically uh you can use emoji if it's in unicode text form only you cannot use any images of them which is by and large what we had expected uh but it you know th- this clarifies it you can use emoji if you're rendering them as text you cannot use apple's emoji as images so it is done now everybody knows
1: that makes sense i mean it seems fair right i don't think this is a like um something to be upset about
2: it's- no it's not but i think that there was it was getting confusing for a while because there were a bunch of things that seemed to be yeah, yeah. Uh, being removed from the store that didn't need to be. And maybe Apple internally needed to actually clarify it for themselves as well. Um, and now that's been done, so people know how they can move on, which I think is great. Um, so should we take our first break? And then it's mm. time to talk about all of my plans for reviewing Watch OS. Uh, over the summer. Perfect. I thought
1: you were doing TVOS. Th-
2: well, both, w- actually. Change your mind. I I'm going to stretch <laughs> oh. myself oh out my and God. do both of them because okay. someone's going to no. pick up the slack. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace because with the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of award-winning templates and so much more, they will let you easily create the website that you want for your next idea or project. No matter what type of website you're looking to build, they are the only one platform that will let you do it. Squarespace Space has functionality for all types of websites. You can add online stores, you can add blogs, you can add galleries for portfolios, you can add map. Blocks so you can have uh, if say you have a restaurant you want to invite people to your restaurant you can say hey here it is they have all of that stuff it's all built in you can add very quickly add and integrate with a bunch of other services like if you want to set up an email newsletter or you want to have a form that can be filled out it can all go into Google Sheets there's so much amazing information and stuff available to you on their uh, they have lots of different forums and support documentation as well as their 24/7 customer support. Squarespace have everything. They win awards all over the place for their templates and for their customer support because it was all that good. There is nothing to install, patch, or upgrade. Squarespace have got you covered. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff they take care of it so you don't have to you can sign up today at squarespace.com connected to get a free trial and play around with Squarespace and make a website to your to your very heart content and then when you're ready to put it out to the world their plans start at just $12 a month you can sign up right now at squarespace.com connected and use the code connected at checkout and you will get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show that is squarespace.com connected and the code connected for 10% off our thanks to Squarespace for their support Squares space make your next move make your next website so before we uh before we get to to my review plans for all of the stuff that i'm going to be working on uh over the (laughs) summer um what if we just i don't know just quickly breeze through uh federico and steven's plans and then we can get to the real meat of the conversation sounds good yeah let's do it so uh what are you thinking of doing are you gonna federico are you gonna you're gonna get in-depth again about all of mm. the different NS mm. activities and, and stuff <laughs> like that for your IRS review you're gonna gonna dig right into the code base
1: no um, so we I think we we touched upon this briefly a few weeks ago maybe and then we we've been talking about this in person last week um, I've been planning to change my approach to writing iOS reviews um, because I feel like for the past couple of years I've gone too far on the technical side and I want to bring in to bring my review style back to a more balanced approach of explaining the, the technical things for sure but also trying to focus more on the experience of using a new OS or of what the features mean, not not just what the features are made of, if that makes sense. Um, And I feel like I've I've tried both approaches over the years. I used to do just um, personal opinion and experience type reviews years ago. Then for the past couple of years, I've tried to um, uh, give more importance to the technical side And I feel like I've learned a lot of lessons. Um, And I feel like iOS 12 is the perfect moment uh, to try something that is in the middle of both camps. Um, 12 is really the best time to try something that is shorter. So for the past couple of years, I've published reviews that were, I think, iOS 10, uh, 50,000 words, and uh, iOS 11 was 55 thousand um that is way too much and it it didn't make me feel i felt good about the work because it was a you know it was a it was a reference material for so many people but um it didn't make me feel good doing the work it was exhausting it was way too much and it also made the review not easily accessible for tons of people who don't care about the finest details about the API and the SDK and I've been thinking a lot about this of what is it that I enjoy uh, about doing these reviews and I enjoy discovering all the, all these little things I enjoy understanding what's going on behind the scenes, but the fact that i en- the fact that I enjoy Learning that information doesn't mean that it necessarily makes for a good review. Um, and I've
2: well, it, it made it, it was good for what it made. So, like you know, I think last year know, and the year before, hmm. they they were good. They were good things. You had a good yes reference and a good review. But what but I'm I guess the decision say, is: Do you need to make the reference part?
1: What I'm trying to say is that I I felt in some chapters of the review that i was doing those primarily for me and not for the readers uh in the sense that I, I was doing them because i wanted to have that reference material which is an which is a noble approach in, in a way but also my readers are my, are my priority not the things that i want because personally i can just keep some notes um and so i've been thinking a lot about this of how can I make the review more accessible? How can I balance the technical side and the personal experience side, which is really what I what I love writing about, of how does a feature or a new design or something that Apple is doing impact me on a daily basis? What's the experience of using the OS? And so uh, I wanted to see what was going to happen in iOS 12, and now that we have iOS 12, I think if you look at the features that Apple is putting out there this year, it's the perfect time to do this kind of approach. Um, We have um, new notifications, do not disturb, screen time. These are all features that are, you know, basically developers... Have nothing to do with them. There's no screen time API. There's no, you know, and the notification APIs are basically unchanged. It's more on the user experience side, more on the uh, here's what it means to have these features. And of course, yes, there is shortcuts, which will be the technical part of the review. I will talk about what shortcuts do behind the scenes, but also I think I'm uniquely positioned to talk about. What shortcuts actually does? What it means mm-hmm. to put together a workflow in or custom shortcut in the you know in the new app? Um, I don't see, and this was also kind of you know talking to developers last week. This was also the the uh, the what developers had as an impression of WWDC. There isn't that many technical changes besides shortcuts uh, shortcuts to adopt this summer. Um, there's a few things. There's uh, shortcuts. There's uh, the the SiriKit media stuff but it's not a highly technical OS as in, you know, iOS 11 might have been with all the iPad stuff and the drag and drop and the multitasking. So this is something that I've been thinking about for the past year. Um, I want to make the review more accessible, be shorter, try to be at least under 40,000. But if I can do something in between 30 and 35, I would be really happy with that. Um and I want to find a better balance between describing technical changes, uh, being, you know, of course, having an in-depth review, being, you know, having tons of screenshots and footnotes and all the, those details that people love. But also I want to write more of my own thoughts, of my own opinions of what it means to be, to, to be using a new OS. And so, yeah, that's, that's the, the basic goal. That I have in mind
2: for this summer. Do you expect there to be sections that you'll just straight up not do? Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah, for right. sure. Uh, okay. One of my
2: one of my plans
1: is to, um, for example, um, stuff that I'm not really an expert about, like Apple books. Uh, I don't read books. Um, I it's some it's one of the thing those things that you say, man, I really should read more books, and then you never do. Um, what I'm planning is we're going to have on the website this summer this summer uh, sometime in July or August um, a few deep dives into the new apps um, and some features that I will not cover in my review so that I will have a section of these apps in my review I will describe my uh, the basic idea of what's new and my uh, you know the uh, the few thoughts that I have about them and then I'll just say for a deep dive you can read this article from someone who knows more about this stuff than than me just like i did with uh, swift playgrounds three years ago it's not that i can learn swift um, just to write about playgrounds in my review Uh, so apple books i think is a great example i can talk about it for the limited use that i have of the app but then i will have someone else uh, write about apple books more in depth
2: i think that makes sense i think this is probably good for your health Yes, (laughs)
1: from all all types (laughs) of health, the physical health and mental health. I don't want to go crazy again uh, putting together this review. And ideally, um, I should be able to get it done in in the two weeks of writing that I usually uh, set aside for myself in July. Um, Another change, um, I'm not watching any sessions right now, which is uh, unusual from you know especially it's a big change for from the past two years um i used to come back from wwdc and just download all the sessions and watch all of them but for the reasons that i mentioned uh, before of there aren't just that many technical changes in 12 um and also i want to use the os for a month before I start writing about it. So what I'm doing is I'm just getting regular work done. I have iOS 12 on my iPhone, on my iPad. I'm not watching any sessions. I'm just taking notes of things that I notice in normal daily usage um so i'm trying you know it's the same approach that i used to have a few years ago and then i'm sure that i will read through the documentation of you know the changes again such as shortcuts which i've done this week uh so it's not like i will, I will abandon <laughs> the technical stuff completely but i need to, str- to strike a better balance between these two sides of my reviews and like i said i think 12 is the is a great opportunity to do so this this this
2: year all right i'm pleased because i think this is going to be i think by and large better for everyone except the people that needed the this this reference guide but i think stuff like that can exist in other places you know i I think that whilst you did a great job it's not necessarily what you're best at um i I don't think Mm -hmm. people yeah read your work for reference but it's you know but i guess a lot of people will use it for that if it exists but there are other places that can do that, you know. I can think of somewhere like Technica, right? I, I would assume that that's a kind of a thing that they do. Um, exactly. But also now, yeah. you know, you're saying about this now, you're leaving the door open for other people, right? Like that, there is a, that, there is a gap in the market if that's what you want to be if that's the kind of thing you're interested in so but I'm pleased if there's
1: something and if there's anything you want to write about at Mac Stories about stuff that I will not cover please get in touch I would love to have you write about stuff that I will not be taking care of so uh, yes I'm I'm happy that you're pleased (laughs) about my decision uh we've talked about this a lot uh last week in person uh which was really good to to hear from someone else about the things i had in mind um i will of course be writing extensively about shortcuts i'm not sure yet i think it will be part of the review i i've been considering the idea of having a separate story because it's an app on the you know it's that you get from the app store but i think overall it will make more sense for me to have it in the review itself um so it'll probably be in there but otherwise um i will be sharing tons of shortcuts on mac stories club mac stories Unconnected, everywhere i will be sharing shortcuts everywhere because uh because now apple has made it official so uh yeah i'm um also, I don't have a process yet for research and putting together the review. It's something that we'll uh, circle back here and Connected in a few weeks. Right now, I'm just taking notes in Notes. So, not exciting at all. Uh, I still don't know if I'll be using DevonThink or Ulysses <laughs> or Drafts, or... I have no
2: idea. I'm just taking notes. No, that, is a, that is... that Whenever you decide that, I want to know about that. Because... Yeah. It's always interesting to talk about that. Um, Steven, are you preparing an army of haikus for your Mac OS Mojave? Is it Mojave? Mojave. I feel like every episode of every show I'm on, I ask this question and can never remember. (laughs) Mojave. Mojave. What what are you doing for for Mojave? Mojave. Are you actually going to write a review this year? Because I know it's not always something that you do. You sometimes write something small. You know or, or whatever have you decided what
0: you want to do? Yeah, I was actually looking through my Mac OS reviews folder and I've written one I wrote a line and one for a freelance thing but since Mountain Lion, Mountain line, I've had one on 512 except for Yosemite, which uh, we were having a baby and we had just started this company and so I actually yeah. just wrote like a design review of the new user interface. So if you take that one out of the mix, I've got, you know, uh one, two, three, five of them on the site. And they, they think the average is like eleven thousand words. It's a lot shorter than the uh the opus that Federico has been publishing. But yeah, I, I intend to to do another one. I think it'll be about that length. You know, I have a tendency to just focus on the consumer like features side of it and only dip below the surface when I feel like I need to. Uh, so like my dark theme article, which we're going to talk about in a little while, has some of that. It was like, this is how it's actually working. This is what it's actually doing. Uh, but I expect it to be online, you know, with my Sierra or High Sierra review, walking through the features, giving, uh, doing a mix of like this is what the feature is and this is what I think of it. I kind of blend those things together uh, in the way that I write my reviews with a, you know, a bunch of screenshots and stuff. So I expect to do it. I'm running it on a an external uh, SSD on my MacBook Pro and have already spent some time in it. I've watched a few sessions, m- mostly around dark mode. There's actually not a lot of Mac OS sessions this mm-hmm. year at WWDC. There's only a few others uh, that don't pertain directly to dark mode. And I think that speaks to sort of the quiet year the Mac is having. Uh, I think that will be obviously vastly different next year when these iOS apps uh, start coming, uh, coming to the Mac and, um, and that's really the section that I've been sort of thinking about the most about dealing with you know home news, voice memos Stock. and stocks. These apps, <laughs> stocks, my stocks, uh, that are <laughs> built with these new tools uh, and like are very cl- clearly at least in the first beta, sort of broken in places and like just weird in others and. Uh, I'm trying to decide how heavily I'm going to tread on those apps in the review. I think I'm going to see how much they advance during the beta process. I mean, it's it's still June. The last couple of releases have been out in September or October. So there's plenty of time, but uh, I, I need to kind of think about how I'm going to treat those apps and what I want to say about them, because in a way they are proofs of concept, but another way they are shipping mm-hmm. in the OS, like they're in the dock. Uh, they are, Part of the system, and so figuring out where that line is something I haven't I haven't quite done yet, but uh, I'm I'm excited to get into it. I think, um, like we said on the show last week, I think this version of macOS really is pointed in a direction where the last couple of maybe since LCAP... Cap macOS releases have kind of just been like bumbling around they're adding stuff here and there but they didn't they, were, they didn't really feel like there was like a yep. this is the direction in which we're marching it's and like been in a kind of Mojave
2: has that sleep. like it's just been like very little has been added over a long period of time and it just felt like this thing is just as it is and it's going to keep being as it is but at least now no matter kind of how you feel about some of the stuff in Mojave it is Mojave I still can't I still don't know we spoke about it like a minute ago and I still can't get it right um at least now there is a there is a path that that macOS is going to go down and I think that that makes this one uniquely interesting
0: I think I'm excited to explore that. So I feel like, if anything, this review may have more of that sort of thing in it than previous ones. Like, the direction the Mac is going in, how I feel about that, sort of the the evidence to back up my case Like so this is where things are going. Like, I have... Uh, I meant to write about it before Connected, but it just didn't pan out. But this idea that, uh, like, do these iOS apps... Like, I think that furthers the case that the Mac should have a touch interface. Because if you use... Home on your iPhone and your iPad, and then you open on your Mac. Like 100% of the time, your brain is going to try to reach out and touch it. That's going to be weird, and it's already strange in the beta. Like, oh, I use a mouse with this app, and it works fine. Like, it has menus and clicks, and like it all works. But visually, still, it's laid out like a touch app, and some of that sort of stuff I want to explore in the review. And there hasn't been opportunity to do that for a long time, so I'm excited to sort of get philosophical in places uh, where it comes up do you
2: expect a lot of that stuff to change quite significantly over the beta period or do you reckon those
0: apps are pretty locked in i really don't know especially home is easiest to pick on because home is th- uh, out of the four it's also the worst ios app <laughs> uh, yeah i was gonna
2: say like it also uh, not, sucks
0: badly on it's ios not great. So like and it uses the most ios conventions so like it has the date picker from ios in it which is oh, boy. <laughs> hot garbage on the mac it it looks and feels i
2: mean it's not good on ios <laughs> it's you know it's a bit clunky like, oh
0: do you use a cursor to like move this pin I was like what are we doing uh and it uses a lot of like the popovers and stuff that are very ios and the others use them use the same things but to lesser extent so i really don't know i, I hope that they continue to improve them uh, i didn't mean to get it down this Rabbit hole, and I'll pull out after the statement. But how Apple treats these apps is how third-party developers will treat theirs. So if Apple builds these, and there's a lot of like iOS UI elements in them, then what Apple is saying is Mac apps now use iOS elements, whether or not they were designed for the Mac first or make any sense with the cursor. Uh, this this is how Mac apps are now, and I want Apple to make them feel more at home on the Mac. And I'm not saying the Mac shouldn't evolve. The Mac should evolve. The Mac UI has to evolve if it's going to survive. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I want the date picker. And then I was like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Like it's just, it's mm-hmm. super weird and it's easy to mess up. And so I'm hoping they make improvements, uh, but I'm not holding my breath at the same time. So I have some hot reviews coming your way What I, about you, Mike.
1: time.
2: And uh, what are you going to do? So I'm as I said before. I'm working on uh, reviews for mm. both Watch OS and TV OS. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about creating uh, iOS. What is it? iBooks author books yes. uh, for both of these with um, lots of animations, stuff like that. You know, uh, I'm really going to go in depth about the way that these things work. Very excited um, to do that. And uh, they're going to be available for $100 each in the iBooks wow. store. Wow. Yep, $100 each. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh-huh. hard, hard at work uh, on, on both of those uh, 70,000 word wow. reviews in iBooks author form.
1: We have uh, some real competition going on here.
2: I'm actually taking some time off right. of all my work, that makes sense. just to work on those books between now and between now and uh, and, and 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 September. Wow! I don't no, think we we're, can we're, compete with that. I think we're done. Nobody can. Sure. I'm changing the game. Uh, it's so the
1: yeah. It's the animation. You're se- saying the animations now. in the book. That's your secret. That's your uh, that's the the secret sauce, Mike, as the people say. <laughs>
2: Yes, this is my secret sauce for for, for what's going to make it worth your the $100. Um, um, so is it just 100 or 19
1: 1999 uh, um what's what's 100?
2: 100, 100. No, no, no. We're being straight oh, wow. with this. It's like a cool 100, cool
0: $100. That is pretty cool. I mean like you know, you're not messing around. You're not saying no. it's $100, but it's not you're wow. just going for it. I'm not going
2: to lie to you about it. You know, like there's not going to be like a two hundred dollar pro edition or anything. It's just right. straight up uh, one hundred dollars.
1: Uh, uh, what's the process like? How, have you been taking notes? Have you been? No,
2: no, no. Doing one take.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> you type into iBooks Other, which is a fantastic idea to to do. Uh, yeah,
2: the day before. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a few. <laughs> I'm gonna take a few weeks off sure. just to think. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna write it all. And then the basically, you know, the day before, so so when they announce the dates at the keynote in September, I'll know the dates. And then the day before, I'm gonna sit down and I'm just gonna write seventy thousand words. Wow! And when I get to seventy thousand words, I stop, and then I publish straight to iBooks Author.
1: Are you are you, are yep. you gonna write in Markdown? 'll <laughs> reach text
2: just no, reach no, no. Next. <laughs> yeah that just going I'm just gonna paste the links in line, <laughs> let you know. <laughs> If you need Nana, <laughs> not like that knife. begins oh. <laughs> all in plain text. Amazing. So, like you know, if you need a link, it's just how much more convenient that can it be than if I say like go to this link and like the link is just
0: there. You want to see the URL before you click on it. Exactly. And that's sense.
2: So that's how you know I'm not like gonna <laughs> oh, so going catfish you or anything, right?
0: Like you're gonna just get
2: <laughs> right. That... Wow. <laughs> Is
1: that, a, is, that a, is that a concern that you have when, when you're reading stuff online? Yep.
2: <laughs> people are going to fish you with links. Well, look, at least you'll know with my reviews that can't happen to you. Like That is a guarantee.
0: But you're saying things it. about other people's reviews in that oh statement. God. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Don't click any links on 512 Pixels. God knows what you'll end I'm just up with. saying,
2: I'm just saying, like... Who knows? Again, like you don't mm-hmm. know, right? But with me, with my style, mm-hmm. you one hundred percent know where you're going when you click it. You know, like because you guys, you put these little Easter eggs in there and stuff, right? Yeah. I don't have any Easter
0: eggs. <laughs> Mine are just regular <laughs> eggs. Like they're just right there, <laughs> just on the counter really... for you to see. Pick them up.
1: Please that you have regular eggs, Mike. Uh, that no secrets. <laughs> just regular <laughs> eggs in my reviews. Is there going to be an audiobook version?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Just nah, plain nah, text nah, nah, nah. in iBooks nonsense. Author. <laughs> I no. won't have the time. I won't have the time. How am I going to do that? I've got to write it, you know? Yeah. What what, what
1: yeah. things are you going to animate if it's just plain text? <laughs> What's going to be animated?
2: No, no, no. The animations, are they're going to be in there, right? <laughs> right? Just the text is in plain text. That's why I'm using iBooks Author, because they have all the animations um, okay. options. Okay. I'm right? looking forward to sure. it, Mike.
1: If you ever need um, an editor. It's going to be really good. Um, no, oh, okay.
2: no, I don't want one. It, that, right, the editors right. just slow you down, okay. man. You know, like I'll be done, and then the editors like, "Oh no, you've got to do more." I said, like, "I don't uh-huh. want to do more." Okay, so okay, just so go for um, it, you
1: know, I'm excited for you. I'm um, um, good luck. It sounds like a sounds like a mm-hmm. really good workflow you got yep. going on there. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, yep. we'll follow back on this in in September before you take the time off to think. yeah, it's gonna um, be great. So, yeah.
2: Yeah very good go think about it alright today's show is brought to you by Pingdom the company who offer uptime monitoring and web performance management you might be more familiar with Pingdom than you th- may think because they help keep so many of your favorite sites online so talk about BuzzFeed Netflix Intra they are all and relay are all Pingdom customers and if you ever go to any of those websites and it's all hunky-dory it's because Pingdom is there looking after things for us because what Pingdom do is they use 70 global test servers to emulate visits to a website. They check its availability as often as every minute. And if something goes wrong, they notify you and they can notify you in so many different ways like email, text message or via push notifications or you can choose all of them in case you want to make sure that you've got some kind of like triple lockdown mode so you make sure everything's okay. Websites are so sophisticated these days, they're so complicated. It's not just a case of is my website up or down. There are so many little dependencies that can go wrong that can be really important. Stuff like logins or e-commerce checkouts and stuff like that. Pingdom can monitor all of these different interactions to your website and make sure that everything's running as you would want. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you want to monitor and they will take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14 day trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout and you will get 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their continued support of this show and FM. So let's bring this thing down to a serious note for a moment because Federico, you published a wonderful article today featuring lots of interesting little tidbits which are good to see written down somewhere about shortcuts. So we covered some of this in our live episode last week, but there's also some additional information that you found out. Um, it seems like that you've really kind of, you've really got your head around this. And, you know, you you say, I think you said this in the article, you, you had some very interesting conversations with some developers mm-hmm. and stuff over the last week. And it seems like through what you've heard and through digging through what's available, you've got a pretty good, good handle on what Siri shortcuts are what the shortcuts app is going to be so you feeling pretty confident about your information about what's going on with this
1: I'm extremely confident about all the things that I put in the story yes okay
2: yeah so there are a few areas that I wanted to dig into so people should read the article Um, but there was kind of like from reading it I had some additional questions that I wanted to ask you
1: all right Okay,
2: um, And then th- just through talking about this, we'll touch on a bunch of different areas. I think as well, we need to maybe try and like settle on some naming conventions now. I think we should just go with Siri shortcuts for the ones that are currently in iOS, the simple ones, and then shortcuts app or shortcuts will mean the full application. Does that sound good? Like just as a way to try and give it some kind of consistency.
1: Wait, so how how do you want to say shor- shortcuts app and? Or? or
2: just shortcuts is the app. Siri shortcuts are the simple ones, like the little uh, little pieces of information. What do you want to do?
1: I don't know. I would say because Siri shortcuts, um like they're not necessarily Siri ones, even though Apple calls everything Siri. Mm-hmm. Like, if you pull down on Spotlight, you know, the little, are those series uh,
2: let's call them Siri Shortcuts. Yeah, but that's that's Siri, though, isn't it? Like, that's all part of Siri. Yeah, it's probably part of Siri. So, let's call because it. Because I don't get those recommendations because I turned the Siri stuff off. All right, right. So,
1: let's call them Siri Shortcuts and Shortcuts.
2: Yeah. All right. Great. How much work do developers really need to do to realistically donate actions to Siri Shortcuts and the Shortcuts app? Like.
0: Okay. Do so, do, mm. do we
2: expect there to be tons and tons of these, or is it going to be so much work that is going to put people off?
1: All right, so it depends on um, depends on a few things. First of all. Um a shortcut should be donated, which is this horrible word that Apple is using. Uh, donating shortcuts means making it available to the system. It's like um, giving it, right? I can't giving it to the system.
2: Like, g- I don't Maybe that's why like they didn't it's choose donation. that, because just over and over saying giving it to the it's system
1: the, it's is just the, it's very the, it's strange. good Samaritan developers making donations <laughs> right. to the system.
0: <laughs> this, hey, look, I don't know. the system is needy. We can help it out. By giving it these things. <laughs> just get on board.
1: Uh, yeah. So uh, there's, the first thing to consider is that um, a shortcut makes sense if it's a repeatable action that is timely, um, that is not just a one-time deal. So let's say that you, you're using Todoist and you're saving a to-do for, I need to buy milk tomorrow at 2 p.m., Mm-hmm. That's not a shortcut because it's one thing that you're doing once. It's very specific. It's not a routine. You don't know how much milk I buy. <laughs> I was going to say. I, however, <laughs> let's say that the system discovers that you keep doing that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So Apple is selling the idea of repeatable actions that are based on based on user routines and habits, something that the system can surface. So with that in mind, the second thing to consider is developers can choose between two different APIs. One of them requires less work. The other requires more work. The simple one is NSUserActivity. You may be familiar with this because it's already used in a bunch of places. It's the same technology that powers handoff from iOS to iOS or iOS to the Mac and vice versa. And it's the same API that powers uh, results in Spotlight
2: on iOS. This is one of those super smart things that Apple yeah. does, right? Yeah. Where yeah. they build a new technology based upon something that people should already be using to get other features. So it's it makes it so much easier for them to get developer adoption, yeah. because or even if you've never used it before, you can at least go well. I bought it for Siri shortcuts, and then I get all of these other things mm-hmm. for free. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. very good.
1: Um, so that's the easy one to implement but it 's also the easy one in practice because all you can do with um, user activities is you can you can open an app into a specific screen or a specific piece of content like um, a restaurant listing in Yelp. That That is a, a user activity. It's a, it's a point of interest inside of an application. Um, the second um, technology they can use, uh, you may also be familiar with this, is SiriKit, which is the technology that is used for apps up until now to integrate with Siri via voice to be able to say in things, for example, do this or that. Um, So the same API that powers Siri and, you know, the one that shows you the little custom UI when you ask Siri to send a message or a payment or save a task can be used to bring up a shortcut. That requires more work from developers, um, but also Apple is kind of making it easier for everybody to adopt SiriKit because there's a new custom type of SiriKit integration that developers can use. Uh, Until today, SiriKit was organized in domains, which are categories of apps. Uh, That was a bit too limiting for types of apps that don't necessarily fall into one bucket or the other. So now Apple is saying, well, everybody can integrate with SiriKit by making a custom integration. What does that mean? That means that when you open Xcode, um, there's a new extension point. when you when you're creating a circuit extension, you can say you make it a custom one, and actually you you get um, actually I actually have a photo here for reference. Uh, you get a, a list of verbs and actions. It's like a little dictionary mm. that allows you to build mm. your own sort of semantic integration with Syrikit. Um and for, for example, you can say... Uh, this was what
2: Marco was asking for on ATP, I think.
1: Yeah, right? so you can do things like uh, the generic section. Uh, under generic, you have do, run, or go. And uh, for example, if you want to make a, an information type of integration, you can say view or open. If you want to do share, you can do share. Post or send. So this is basically like a little dictionary that tells Siri how to talk about your integration. So that like, if you want to share a tweet, it'll say "I shared it" instead of saying "I bought it" because it's not like you bought a tweet. You know, it doesn't make sense. So <laughs> you can <laughs> my <promote> tweets, baby. <laughs> sure. That's
2: how we're gonna get them.
1: <laughs> So it's a way for developers to make a custom intent that follows um, a specific set of definitions. Uh, it's I mean I'm not a developer, but just looking at the screenshot, it makes sense to me. So
2: visually speaking, so from from the perspective of being a developer or a user, like yes, why would you choose one or the other? Like, what more do you get going with this Siri custom intents that can be given up? That could be donated as shortcuts as opposed to just using an user activity.
1: So here's what I think will happen. Um, lots of apps will use the NS user activity, because it's built- in, It's already it's been available since iOS 8, and it makes sense to launch apps. Uh, into specific screens. It's something that we've been doing for years with stuff like Launch, launch Center Pro or Launcher. Uh, so I expect the adoption of an S-User Activity type of basic shortcuts to be um, to be massive uh, because it's a, it's so uh, little work for developers. Mm-hmm. Um, for SiriKit, I think the custom intent makes a lot of sense if you have... Um, information type stuff if you want to show users something um like a little p- piece of content without having to open the app uh could be a hotel reservation could be a restaurant reservation could right. be a document could be an image could be anything so expect the informational type of um, response from Siri to be quite useful um so would it be safe
2: I- to assume that the the example they were showing with Phil's coffee that was yeah. a custom intent?
1: I think so. Yeah.
2: Because it had an image and you that's could press an a button. Right. Yeah. Okay. And
1: and it says, uh ordered your coffee. Uh yeah. so that's exactly I think one type of custom oh, intent. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. it's
2: also customizing the response.
1: Yes, exactly. So, not right. only you, can you customize the, the image that you see in the little series snippet, uh, you can also add buttons uh, around the little custom UI, and you can customize right. what series has.
2: So, yeah. What are we talking about with buttons here? Like, buttons how we're talking interactive about confirm or can cancel.
1: Right. OK. <laughs>
0: is, is that it?
1: Yeah. You hmm. cannot have something like a calculator. In in a Siri snippet, so I'm sorry, James, but you cannot bring Picalk to Siri. Huh? Um, yeah. I'm sure he thought about it, but that's oh, yeah. he possible. did. <laughs> I actually spoke to him. He asked,
2: and they said no. <laughs> it's like no, you you cannot so, do
1: that. Even though, and I wanted to say that even though Apple is sort of reusing SiriKit, it's not like every single SiriKit action. M- should make sense as a shortcut. Um, Again, Apple is stressing the idea of shortcuts should be something that users want to access frequently. So if you send a one-time payment to Mike over Venmo or PayPal... uh, maybe that's not a shortcut because you've done it one time in a year. But if you send it like on a weekly basis, then maybe that should be a shortcut. So ultimately, it's up to developers to figure out what should be a shortcut. And that's why Apple is basically saying um, once you... If you think that this activity, this, this action that a user does should be a shortcut, you should have a little button that says add to Siri so that the users can make a custom shortcut uh, and have a custom phrase for it. But otherwise, it's up to the system uh, to figure out with the, with, the, you know, with the machine learning stuff that Apple is saying they're using, uh, with the predictive system that they have, to say, uh, even though you haven't added the custom phrase maybe you should see this little shortcut to order pizza on tuesday in your spotlight screen so it's a fascinating um twofold approach here of you can either have a custom phrase because the user decided to make this action a shortcut or you can let the system predict it for you um i want to see how it will play out because like right now i don't have a lot of faith in the predictive type stuff yeah um but also it's i gotta see what happens uh, when I'm actually using iOS s twelve for like a month and when I have fifty apps that offer shortcuts mm-hmm. to the system. Will it scale? will it actually understand my habits uh, we'll see i have more I have a lot more faith in the custom <laughs> phrase approach because it's something that I create something that I want to use
0: yeah I mean and maybe it's limited just because I work from home, but I feel like the the stuff it's doing now to predict stuff, just it doesn't seem super relevant to me. Uh, and mm-hmm. again, maybe that's because I have a lack of structure. Like, if I went to the same office and the same coffee shop every day, maybe it would work better. But for me, I'm kind of kind of the same. But as you, are, like, I want to see how it works. But I feel like I'm going to be using the the custom voice triggers a lot more than things that it suggests right. to me. Yep, yeah, agree. So, so I have a I have a, a, a conceptual question, really.
2: Mm. Uh, because i've been thinking about this all of the shortcuts the suggested shortcuts and and the way that people can can build shortcuts in the app is this a good thing or a bad thing for developers because especially if you have a large company right you you have a pretty large user base you have a you have an application that is pretty big in nature surely the company wants their users to be opening the application and using it and seeing everything that the app has to offer, promoting new features, you know, that kind of stuff. Like do, do developers, do companies want to be relegated to being just a a set of features rather than offering their overall experience, which, you know, no matter how we may view it, um, every large company believes that the experience that they offer is, is better than anything else available, right? Like Mm -hmm. otherwise, what are they doing? You know? Mm. So, what do you think about that? Do you think that that this this might be a thing that holds some developers off because they don't want to be just relegated to like Lego blocks?
1: It doesn't make sense for companies like Twitter and Facebook that want you to open the app and see ads and and contribute to their statistics. I would be surprised if these big companies have tons of shortcuts, Mm -hmm. Uh, because as you mentioned, like it will give people a way to accomplish the same functionality without having to open the app. Um, also, because of course, Apple is being extremely serious with their uh, with their privacy approach here. Uh, just you know, it's a these extensions run in a secure process. Uh, just the information that you need is is exchanged between Siri and the extension. Uh, so you know, if, if Facebook had a way to bring up a user profile in Siri, maybe I wouldn't uh, navigate to a to a to a friend's uh, profile page in the Facebook app. And I'm not sure if Facebook wants that. Mm. Um, but if you're if you're a smaller company that is not creepy and doesn't make money off of people's um, you know uh, attention that way it makes sense to integrate with Siri because you can you know it's it's a good thing to have uh, if you care about the native iOS experience and also if we uh, if we consider the um, custom shortcuts uh, which is you know and the shortcuts app you know and I believe that the people who put together advanced workflows and stuff will be a tiny fraction of the folks who are using the basic shortcuts with Siri. Um, you will still have to open apps. You will still have to open Ulysses if you want to add something to your you know, to to your uh, to a document. Um, because, as I mentioned in the story, um, the SiriKit integrations. Uh, Will not be able to replace, at least in the first version, the more advanced features of existing URL scheme actions. So uh, we're stuck in this situation where big companies will probably not want to have really deep Siri integrations. I would love to be surprised and see Twitter and Facebook going, you know, and Instagram having full integrations with SiriKit and shortcuts. Um, But then if we're looking at the more niche type of apps, uh, you know, the productivity stuff on iOS, um, you will still have to launch apps and open apps because uh, URL schemes and X callback will still be more flexible than SiriKit, at least for now. Uh, In the future, uh, I hope not. But for now, you will still have to open them if you want to do crazy automations.
0: Do you you think that that is a problem for people who want to get started with this do you think that's like a hurdle that they're going to have to figure out
1: so based on what i've seen so far um i think there's a really nice path starting with simple shortcuts and suggested shortcuts uh whether it's uh it's in the spotlight page or the lock screen and going to the more custom automation stuff um honestly i believe that if you already know workflow Uh, there will be little to no learning curve um, in switching to shortcuts. But if you're new to this stuff, if you've never done automation before, I think it's done well enough uh, in the sense that you swipe down to search for an app, which is something that most people do, and you will see suggestions, and you will see shortcuts. I'm not sure if hiding the custom phrase stuff in settings is a good idea because you need to open settings, navigate to Siri and search, and then view the shortcuts. Maybe there could have been a way to make that stand out a little more. Well, make- I would
2: guess that they're hoping that it, they that Apple won't need to be who shows you it, right? Like the app, right. Th- the third-party apps will show you with the buttons that they've made.
1: That's the hope, yeah. So uh, I was about to say that, that. Maybe they're just hoping that apps will bring up these Siri UIs and you won't have to open settings. Um, if that's the case, then I think that it should be quite easy for people to get started. Uh, because if you're using... Yelp or I'm trying to think of iOS apps that actually do adopt features. Um I don't know. Yelp is a good example. Uh Instagram, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Telegram is a good example. If you're using these apps and you see Siri shortcut buttons and you will see and you will say, "Oh, what's this?" and you will understand the potential for custom phrases, then maybe uh you know you you will start using them. And also swiping down and also notifications on the lock screen. I think it should be enough. But again, it depends on what developers do. Uh, Because it's, you know, it's hard to explain to people the concept of automation, which is why I think it's clever that Apple is doing this more lightweight version of shortcuts in that you don't have to put together a workflow for everything, but the system can suggest you basic actions. I think that's a clever choice.
0: So I think one thing that has me potentially excited about this is that Siri is more than just on my phone, right? It's on my watch. And of course, it's on my HomePod. How can you tell so far that this stuff is going to be surfaced on those other devices? Can I walk into my office and just shout to my HomePod and things happen? Is it going to be a limited set? Uh, Do you have any feel Mm. for that yet?
1: That's a good question. So uh, you will be able to access your custom phrases um, for shortcuts on the HomePod using personal requests. Uh, So it will be part of that. Um, The problem here, which is actually a little mini section in the story, is the ability... And this is a problem, of course, for um, basic shortcuts, for custom shortcuts. The ability for a shortcut to execute both visually, so if you have an iPhone, if you have an iPad, and in an audio-only environment. This is actually one of the features that the Workflow team was working on, um, of being able to have the same Workflow but making it run in a bunch of different places. So Workflow used to have an Apple Watch app, Um, Shortcuts doesn't anymore, Uh, but they also used to have um, a widget. And the widget... um, was actually this uh, this really important piece of technology because it, it allowed you to run entire workflows in the background without mm-hmm. having to open the workflow app unless you came across an action that required uh, an interaction that couldn't be built into the widget, such as typing text because Apple doesn't want you to type text with the keyboard into widgets. And the idea with the with shortcuts and the Apple Watch and CarPlay and the HomePod is essentially the same. How can you make the same shortcut work everywhere? Um, so for app shortcuts, I'm not sure how developers will be able to confirm actions without having a UI. So if I want to order a coffee, will I be able to... Um, use it both on my iPhone, where I can see the little restaurant snippet menu and a button that says Confirm. Will I be able to do the same on the Apple Watch and on the HomePod? I'm not sure yet. Uh, What what I'm pretty confident about is that if you put together a custom shortcut, um, so a workflow, and you have actions such as choose from list or ask for input, stuff that requires you on iOS to type text or choose from a list of items or choose from a menu, you will not be, ha- be able to have that in the first version of shortcuts when a shortcut is running via Siri. Uh, because my understanding is that Siri, at least in the first version of iOS 12, will not have the ability to say, oh, here's a list list of items in your shortcut. Choose one of them. Or Mm -hmm. usually here you would type some text, but now uh, you can just speak it to me. So it will not be interactive like that. So to answer your question, will I be able to walk into my office and shout things to the HomePod? It depends on the shortcut that you want to run. If it can be executed via audio only then yes if it requires you to interact with the shortcut in some way it'll probably tell you to continue on your iphone Uh, as for right now uh, you can set up custom phrases you can ask the home pod to execute one of them but it will give you an error because i think it needs an update so at least that's what happened uh. with my three home pods okay. uh, that nobody wanted to none of them wanted to run my custom uh shortcuts, which makes sense because it's you know the system you know uh people um uh, are actually seeing all these workflows show up in the in the settings? I'm pretty sure that's actually that's actually a bug because workflow hasn't been updated for iOS 12, and there's an API for iOS 12 only, which uh, dictates how and when uh, user activities show up in settings under shortcuts. So, um, yeah, uh, it depends, Steven on what
2: you want to do with your okay. HomePod. So you mentioned in your article that um, you're very confident. That you will be able to bring over all of your existing workflows, and they'll basically be unchanged when it moves over to shortcuts. So I wondered, like, as far as you're aware, will it be possible for me to take like an existing workflow and add new shortcuts to it? Like, is this stuff gonna be able to be mixed and matched between? Can I use like the old, more complicated versions and, and functionality with the new functionality?
1: So the idea is that all your workflows will just migrate over to the new format. And mm-hmm. because shortcuts will have the same actions, will have the same features, uh, it'll mostly look the same. I mean, we've seen the screenshots. Uh, the idea is that the, once you, you have all your old workflows into shortcuts, there won't be any difference between the old ones and the new ones. So yes, you will be able to add all of the new actions that uh, shortcuts will, will offer. Um because my uh, what I understood is that Apple doesn't want to um, end up in a situation where uh, all the workflow users are upset because they lost a bunch of functionality in the transition to shortcuts. And that's great, that's great news because it means that not only are we getting uh, new system features, but also we can keep the old ones and we can live happily ever after, ideally. Um, Best I love you. Best, that's the best I love you timeline. So yes, um, I don't know. I'm not sure if uh, shortcuts will replace uh, workflow in the App Store. So you'll just basically update the app and you have shortcuts. Or if it will be a separate app and there will there will be some kind of uh, feature or tool to move over your old workflows. Um, I would be surprised if shortcuts kept the same old workflow sync uh, account Mechanism. I'm pretty sure it's gonna move to I- to iCloud. So that said, um, it could be an update or it could be a new version. But uh, I think, and I'm and I'm pretty confident actually that uh, nothing should break. Uh, so mm. at, li- at least that's that's the that's what I've been hearing uh, recently. But uh, we'll have to see, of course, once there's a beta and once Shortcuts launches in the, sometime in in September, I assume.
2: I have one last question for you. So when creating these uh, custom shortcuts in the Shortcuts app, do you have any idea if it will be possible? So, like, for example, I can create shortcuts for many, many, many activities, right? Like, And, and I need to go into individual ac- applications to surface all of the different things that I, can, that I can create shortcuts for, series shortcuts for. Do you know of any sense that if I'm in the Shortcuts app, will I be able to surface these? Or do I need to like find them all first? Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? Like yep. in the old workflow, you had a list of everything workflow could do. Is that going to be the same with shortcuts? Yes, because that's big. That could be a lot of stuff, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. You will see. Um, again, this is my understanding right now. You will see both the new native app shortcuts or Siri shortcuts and the old apps. Uh, category with the your stuff. So in theory, stuff.
2: every action that is donated to the system to become a Siri shortcut will show in the shortcuts app. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's, that's, it, it. What's interesting about that is it's very big and can be very varied depending on the user.
0: Is there any sort of privacy angle there? Like, does does it sync that NS user records across iCloud? So, like, if someone picked up my iPad, they could see everything I'm doing on my phone, because those records are like breadcrumbs on what you're doing across a bunch of Mm. different apps.
1: So um, I don't think that that information syncs with iCloud, uh, because that is just exposed to the system. What syncs with iCloud, I think, is when you add a custom phrase to a shortcut. But just like your iPad doesn't know which apps you have installed on your phone, I mean, unless you use screen time, which maybe also it kind of does. Apple is doing some new things this year with um, uh, keeping track of a user's installed apps. Um, I mean, I'm sure everything will be encrypted, but especially if you consider screen time where it's not like you have a separate instance of screen time for for iPhone and screen time for iPad, then the iPad already kind of knows which apps you're using on the phone. Uh, Then maybe the answer is I don't know, because... um, Apple must be keeping track of these things somewhere. Uh I don't think that workflow on the iPad will see will say, Hey, I know that you have uh open table on your iPhone, why don't you put open table here as well? I don't think that will happen. But again, screen time is a precedent in this case, so I'm not sure. Um Mike,
2: uh yeah, f- I think with iOS twelve there are a bunch of areas where it's like it's like a local privacy thing. And it can be a problem depending on your situation, right? That both screen time and Siri shortcuts, they're going to start surfacing things. And, you know, if people pick up your devices, then yes, they will be able to learn new things about you. And as of all of this stuff, right? Like when we're talking about the sharing of a touch ID or whatever, uh, that's just going to be on you and in, in your home situation as to whether you're cool with that or not, I guess.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of... Um details that I need to mention to answer your question, Mike. The first one is that actually app integrations uh, or app shortcuts in the shortcuts app, <laughs> this is super confusing. The Siri shortcuts will have a toggle uh, on them that says show and run so that you can choose to actually see the little Siri UI or not if you're running the shortcut in Siri, for example. And if, if show and run is disabled, uh, Siri will just execute the action and breeze through, uh, move on to the next step. So not um, even
2: needing to open applications anymore, right?
1: No, because SiriKit all it's all done in the background. Damn. Uh, unless I mean, and uh, the user activity stuff. If you say, "Take me to this page in open table," then of course you will have to launch yeah, the app. There's nothing it can do. But if it's a SiriKit intent, it will just run in the background. Um, also, the big catch, maybe is that these n- Siri shortcuts, these native actions, are not as customizable as what we have today with X callback in workflow. Um, meaning that shortcuts are offered by apps as they are. They, don't, they won't have custom fields in them when you add them to a shortcut. Um, So, for example, today in workflow, you can say add to things. That's an action. And when you add um, this action to a workflow, you have a bunch of fields that you can fill yourself, such as title or due date. That will not be possible with Siri shortcuts in the first version in iOS 12, because these shortcuts are effectively pre-made they're not user customizable. They shouldn't accept any custom input. They will not set any custom output. And if you actually take a look at the screenshots shared by Apple, they the, they are not connected uh, to any other action. So the vertical mm-hmm. line that runs through a, a workflow uh, or a custom shortcut stops when it runs through a native um, shortcut. Because again, they are little uh, standalone entities that are not like the current X callback actions. So that, I think, is, of course, the next big step, right, of being able to have intents that are actually user customizable. And at that point, and Steven is going to maybe hate me or love me for saying this, What's the difference with HyperCard, really, where you have a program that gives you a little UI that you can customize and make your own? Um, right now, Circuit Intents are just extensions offered by developers.
0: Huh. Uh, I'm A, I'm just proud that you know what HyperCard is. But, <laughs> but like, I think that's why this stuff is so exciting. It's the same reason that like HyperCard is exciting and the same reason that Automator was exciting because it it, it brings like these are, I know we've quabbled over this term over the years, but these are like intro to development type tasks, right? Like Mm. learning how a computer can do things on its own is the first step in development. And you may not make it past that first step. I surely haven't. I'm not a developer, but I can automate stuff. And this coming to iOS is a huge step down the road of, is iOS, like, our iOS devices computers? And I know not the way you think about them, not the way I think about them, but, like, in the broadest sense, having a a device that you can develop on is a really big milestone in the lifetime of a platform. And this is another step down that road. And that's why it's so exciting, because for the first time, it's from Apple, right? It's not like these crazy workflow guys building this amazing tool from the outside. Like, now, like... Now the automation is coming from inside the house. Like they, they are in the system. They are in Siri, and that's a huge step forward. So I think comparing it to something like Hypercard or, or Automator, or even the Terminal to a degree, I think that's fine because it's it's an important step in the in the evolution of a platform.
1: Cool. So you love me for saying that. I do. Thanks. Best. I love you. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. So
2: before we move on from this,
0: I'd. There's
2: just a couple of things I just want to run through super quick that were just small details from the article, which were exciting to me. The share extension, URL schemes, and the widget will remain. Action extension. People are going to correct you. So, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the action extension in the Mm -hmm. share sheet. uh, HomeKit support is added, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Um, There was one thing that I thought of. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show or not, but it's kind of cool. Like, even apps... Even, like, devices that aren't HomeKit devices could, in theory, work with all of this stuff. Oh, because yeah. Because they could just surface a, a shortcut, which I think is also kind of cool. Um, show result is... An, is it that You're excited about show result, right? What is that?
1: It's one of the new actions that mm-hmm. should make it in uh, the Shortcuts app. It's a way to show uh, result in Siri. Uh, and uh, the beautiful thing about this action is that you can mix and match uh, plain text and magic variables. So you can define your your own custom response in Siri and you know when the when the shortcut runs it'll uh, assemble the variables and it'll show you the results i think that's a, could, that's a fantastic could idea
2: show result also be read out loud on the homepod
1: yeah yeah mm,
2: mm, mm-hmm. interesting uh, no dictation of text into right. into this stuff which so like the idea would being we go right the way back to the beginning of the 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 show. you can't say like you, you, it's the, the idea is you can't dictate a result before or after you right. give a shortcut command. So you can't say like, add a new task to Todoist, that says blah, 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 blah. That's two separate actions, right?
1: The idea would be that if you have, yes, if you have a shortcut with a custom phrase, you cannot mix and match the custom phrase with some other words Hmm. uh, because uh, those words will not be treated as input uh, by the shortcut what i want to see is workflow has a dictate text action uh, Mm -hmm. that brings up the native dictation ui on ios what happens um, if, if if you use dictate text and you ask siri to run a custom shortcut will it just fall back into just tell me And I I will take, you know, uh, I'm actually doing the dictation for you. Or will it say you need to use your iPhone for that? So we'll we'll see what happens there.
2: Fingers crossed on that one. And Play Media. What does Play Media entail?
1: Play Media is this new uh, intent for uh, SiriKit, which in theory should allow radio apps podcast apps and music apps, even though some people on Twitter disagree uh, disagree because they said that Apple is making this just for radio and podcasts. Long form, um, right? Yeah. yeah. It should allow background playback uh, for third-party audio sources. Now, in their uh, demos, Apple showed uh, The Daily, so a podcast uh, that was using this uh, intent. Um, shows up as a shortcut. You can ask Siri... You can make a custom shortcut with these actions, Um, but the big question is: Do developers need to create the need to ask users to create the shortcut? I don't think you will be able to say, "Siri, uh, play my Overcast uh, podcast. uh, Play play connected episode 200 in Overcast." You will probably have to create a custom phrase yourself first inside overcast so if marco decides to support shortcuts in overcast there could be a button in your queue um, that says add your queue to siri and then you will have a shortcut for your overcast queue i don't think this will be an intent in the sense of like to do is or things for example where you can just say anything you want and it'll work i think you will have to add the custom phrase first but i'm not sure because there's basically no documentation for this. If you open the, the Play Media Intent page on developer.apple.com, it's empty. <laughs> Just a bunch of API names. There's no descriptions, no oh no. no. guidelines, no, oh no. no nothing. <laughs> they so, forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I would love to have some clarification on this, actually. If it applies to music apps, does it mean that Spotify can use this? I, ideally, I saw there in the API there's support for artwork and track names, that should be enough for a music app. But again, I don't know. So it's, uh, it's unclear.
2: I just find myself getting increasingly more excited about this the more I find out. And it's usually the other way around, right? Like usually you find out about something and then you think about it, you get really excited and then you find out the limitations. But all of the limitations, they don't, they're not off-putting to me because all of the limitations are not limiting anything I could do before. So everything that we're getting is just added stuff. Like uh, I find myself but just becoming more and more excited about this the the, the more we find out about it. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I, yeah. I, I, s- yeah. please uh, just apple come on give us just give us the shortcuts app. Just give us it.
1: Give us the beta. Just put up a beta. Either test flight or Make it built in and then remove it for the final release. It's fine. Just this is the perfect app that needs a beta with five thousand, ten thousand yep. people. It's it's the perfect beta testing scenario. It so.
2: needs to be tested. Like developers need to be able to test that their yep. stuff is gonna work. Like I'm very confident they will do it. I just want it to happen oh, really yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, but it's it's not all iOS on this show. We should talk about macOS Dark Mode. But before we do, let me thank our final sponsor for this week, and that is our friends at Casper, the company focused on sleep, dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping, so shouldn't it be the best it could possibly be? That is why you need a Casper mattress, because their mattresses are perfectly designed for humans. They have engineering that has been thoughtfully considered and also very lovingly made to support and soothe your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so dang dang comfortable? Well... They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the US, and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. They have over 20,000 reviews online with an average rating of 4.8 stars. Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress, and it's easy to see why. You could be sure of their purchase with Casper's 100 night risk free trial. So they have a sleep on it trial. 100 nights, you can have the mattress in your home. You can sleep on it in your pajamas, with your linen, with everything. You can just take your time with it and make your decision. You don't have to rush into this with Casper. They deliver directly to your door and if for any reason you don't love it, they have a hassle-free return policy. Now, Stephen, you were traveling this week. Was it it a a great experience to return to your Casper mattress?
0: It was. I stayed at an Airbnb and I think we've all had this experience where you're sleeping someplace that's not your home and the mattress is just terrible like it was a great spot but the mattress was like soft and like you you're sinking down into it and then you wake up hot right because you're like slowly being absorbed surrounded by mattress yeah Yeah. no one wants that and you know Mm -mm. i live in the south it's hot i came home 20 degrees hotter than it was at wbdc but it was fine i slept great because the casper keeps you in just the right place with that memory foam it's really great come back to it
2: You can get $50 towards select mattress purchases by going to casper.com slash connected and using connected at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That is casper.com slash connected and the offer code connected for $50 off select mattresses. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show. So, uh, Stephen, will you please wax lyrical um, about the next version of macOS's dark mode? I Honestly, I don't remember the name. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I have like a... Spot in my brain.
1: Come on, you can do it. Come on.
2: Was it Mojave? No. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a long E. Mojave. Because I constantly second guess myself. This is the problem. Yeah. I don't know how long this is going to take. Well, you got a year. <laughs> then it'll be gone. <laughs> no, because then it'll be just like high Mojave or something like yeah. that. I don't know.
0: Sandy Mojave. Uh, Yeah, so this dark mode is really... Part two of something that was introduced back in 2014 with Yosemite, talked about earlier in the show. Yosemite come came with a dark theme, and that has continued to be the case until today. I run it on all my Macs, and it makes the menu bar huh. and the dock and a couple other things dark. But it's not anywhere close to being a cohesive experience, all the, the window UIs and everything else are, are still bright. But, you know, the menu bar and the dock are along the edges of the screens. And my iMac Pro has these ridiculous bezels of black glass are so like four inches wide. So it helps kind of settle things in. And uh, I've used it since, it since it came out. This, though, is something far different. It is much more than just a reskin of the menu bar and the dock. It actually, every system window, every control has been uh, revisited. It is very thorough. Even in the first beta, it's hard to find places where it's broken or where, oh, Apple forgot about that corner of the U.S. Like There are things within apps, like iTunes is sort of hilariously broken, but I assume the iTunes team wasn't brought into this very recently, so I have no doubt that they will. Is
2: there an iTunes team? Yeah, you know, like the, oh, the intern. What?
0: I'm sure the intern will, will get right on that. and uh, No, they'll get their app tuned up, and I think by the time this launches, anything that comes with macOS will be polished and ready to go. There are a couple of things here that are interesting. Apple calls this an appearance. They don't call it a theme in the sessions, in the OS, in the documentation. It is an appearance. What's the difference? I I, I don't really know. I just think it's interesting that (laughs) they're really... Really stuck on that word. That's actually a word that like Apple has used in the past. Like macOS eight had like a parents manager, and maybe it's just because it's an Apple-y word that just used it. But they're very consistent with okay. it. And there's kind of like three tenets that they spoke about. They say they say dark interfaces are cool, which is can't argue with that. Uh, dark interfaces are not just inverted versions. So in my article, I inverted uh, a screenshot of High Sierra and. Boy, it looks bad <laughs> uh we we were playing around with, with it
2: uh, as well, where it was quite funny to put things into dark mode and then invert yeah that looked
0: real weird it's not it's not <laughs> great uh, that is an no. accessibility option. There are people who that is super helpful for, um mm-hmm. but it's not the way to build like a true dark appearance. The last point they talk about in the sessions is that dark mode is content focused and we all remember that from like iOS seven and then you know, later Yosemite, of like, oh, the window treatment is, it just gets out of the way and your content is front and center, blah, you know, all that sort of thinking is present here. And it kind of works. Like there's a reason things like Final Cut and Logic have dark modes, because when you're working in content creation apps, you want the UI to sort of fade back and you can really see your content. And they've brought that to everything from the finder, to system preferences, to photos, uh, it's just everywhere, and and I think it works. Like you look at these screenshots. I have my laptop in front of me, uh, running dark mode, and like it's it's sort of a nice calming effect. I actually kind of really like it, um, and it really makes it sort of where the window Chrome and the content of that window are separate things. And uh, so I think I think they've sort of nailed that aspect of it.
2: There's a there's a screenshot in your article on five twelve pixels where you show. Mail with its compose screen, and the compose screen is white. Yes, that looks weird. I don't think that looks very <laughs> no. good. I don't like that. Yeah,
1: me neither.
0: That seems like a peculiar choice to me. So that is an option. So Mail has this option, and I haven't really found it anywhere okay. else. But it's it's part of the API, It's part of like the the API stuff that if the system right. okay. is in dark aqua, which is what they call it, some apps can, uh, if developers opt into this, they can have a setting to say. Use dark mode, respect what the system is telling me to do, but in my content areas, keep it a white background. So, mail by default, everything is dark. If you're in dark mode, I set this to show it in a screenshot, and you're right. It's super weird, and it's really bright, but... You know, something right. like mail, maybe that's helpful if you're, you know. I guess
2: if you want to see how it's going to look in the recipient's inbox, sure. right, you would want it to be white still,
0: yeah. I guess. Or or you get a newsletter, right, and they haven't set a background, you know, like all sorts of crazy things. Mail yeah. is just the Wild West. So uh, it's in mail. It is in the APIs um, in the new Coco stuff. So it, it could be there in other apps. I only found it in mail so far. But, uh, yeah, it's do you a, it's know a... if Safari has
2: a dark mode API for for like, for like websites to hook into? Do you know if anything like that
0: exists? If it does exist, I haven't found it yet. Um, okay. That I think is conjecture at this point that, oh, uh, so say Mac Stories is a good example of this because I haven't gotten around to it. Yep. Mac Stories has a light and a dark mode and you can set it and it sets a cookie, I guess, and it mm-hmm. remembers that.
1: No, it's not a cookie, but yeah.
0: it's uh, Federico hand checks it. Every time you visit the website, yeah, every re- every request goes to Federico and he says yeah. dark or light, I'm and he just remembers approving
1: everyone. it, yeah. No, yeah. it's a, it's actually something called local storage in Safari, but yeah, it's but mostly the same idea.
0: He he's installing a Flash-based player on your system, and that remembers malware <laughs> yeah. if it's light yes. or dark. TG malware, <laughs> yes.
1: That is why Apple is now notarizing uh, apps. Yeah. But, uh, that was, yeah, because of you. Yeah. yeah. yeah so you.
0: so what this could do is WebKit <laughs> could ask the, or the system could tell WebKit, "Hey, you're in dark mode." Then it could load, you know, a different set of CSS depending on, you know, the 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 appearance set by the user. I think that'd be great because the second you start browsing websites in Mojave in dark mode, like your eyeballs explode because yeah. Most websites are brightly colored. Actually, the relay site looks really awesome with all the colors we use. But like, cause we dark mode it already. That's that's the phrase by the way, dark moded. But something like five twelve pixels looks out of place. And so that's something I'm going
2: to address. But I'm excited about the possibility of all of the websites that I visit getting dark modes, because I prefer that anyway. I've used the Mac Stories dark mode since the beginning, mm-hmm. and it's what I have on all my devices. So when I go on a new device and it's white, I'm like ah oh, Mac Stories is
0: broken. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so that, that's a funny thing to no, me. No CSS.
2: Um, also, dark aqua.
0: That's a good name. Yeah, yeah. So in I like that. in NS appearance, it's aqua and dark aqua are the other two the, names. Dark
1: aqua sounds like the the name of a metal band from the nineties.
0: Or like no, a, I was gonna say emo. I like, but metal's good too. Yeah. Though. Mm. They're just they're just singing songs about macOS interface, but they're all really sad about it sad water yeah there are a couple of things i think that are that are worth touching on there's something um called vibrancy and this has been around really since like ios 7 it came to the mac in yosemite and if you look at the screenshots uh or if you if you use a mac now the most common place to this is the sidebar and finder where it picks up the background colors and sort of shines through but sort of in a um sort of in a very, like, translucent way. So my screenshot on my really bad red and blue example wallpapers, you could see the sidebar. I genuinely cannot believe that this is still around. Like,
2: it boggles my mind. Like, uh, I I can't, honestly, like, it just seems ugly to me. I don't like it. That that transparency. I, I really, I don't know who's using it. Queue tweets for everyone who's using it, but still, I just
0: like <laughs> it. Surprises me that people leave that on when you can turn it off. I run in reduced transparency um, because I, I don't really care for the vibrancy, but it's still there. And in dark mode, it does what you think it would do. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also something called desktop tinting. It's only present in dark mode, and it uh, what it does is it affects the color temperature of the gray. So if you have system preferences mm-hmm. over a red background. It's a little bit warmer. It's a little bit pinker. But if you have it over a blue background, uh, blue wallpaper, it is cooler and a little bit bluer. And it's, it is very subtle. And I really don't think the screenshots do it justice. If you see it in person, you can really tell if you're kind of tuned into that thing, but that's there across the board in dark mode. And, and in the keynote there or in the sessions, like, well, you know, we don't want the gray to like contrast with the wallpaper. Like no one's ever going to see it. Like <laughs> it's fine. But, um, it's uh it's there. But, but and... don't worry, we'll let the wallpaper shine through though. That's like... right. <laughs> okay. So it's you know, it's there. Um so that's new. You know, this is not just they just moved all the sliders over in, in Photoshop and re-released it. There is some new technology kind of uh putting putting these these appearances together now.
2: Now there is something called accent colors, mm-hmm. which I genuinely cannot believe is shipping even in beta because it's it leads to some very peculiar color choices. Yes, it right? does. Like, <laughs> what is going on with accent color?
0: Yeah. So this is this is a new thing in macOS. So you have appearance, which is light mode or dark mode. That used to just that used to be blue and graphite. So they've reused that name a little bit. And there's the highlight color, which is the default is blue, and that is what you see. Like if you're in Chrome or Safari and you highlight the URL, that color that is the highlight. Uh, that's highlight color. So you can change that from you know, blue to pink to gray to orange or whatever. There's a bunch of options in there. That's been there forever. What's new is accent color. So before when you were either in blue or graphite appearance, like if you had a drop-down, the right side of the drop-down would be blue double arrows, and it would switch to graphite if you were in the graphite mode, which is uh, the one I've used for a long time. In Mojave, you have, uh, what is it, eight accent colors so you have blue, red, orange, yellow, green, purple, pink, and graphite. And so that changes those colors. So if you have a drop down, uh, you can set it to pink, or you can set it to orange, or you can set it to green. Mm. And it lets you customize Mac OS in a way that you have never been able to do since the OS ten transition. Like this is more customization than we've ever seen uh, you know, post two thousand one or so. But it can lead to some really weird <laughs> combinations like I kind of thought that I would like dark mode with the orange highlight because I like like gray and black and orange together, but it doesn't look, it doesn't look great. Um, but on the other hand, I really like the way light mode and the pink highlight color looks. Like it's kind of airy and fresh in a way that's sort of nice. So you can really customize it. There's some weird combinations you can do. Uh, I think the green and the yellow look bad all the time. Like they're too bright or like they're too vibrant, but, uh, but they're there and you can you can play with them. But the last one, graphite, has a few tricks up its sleeve. So if you set the accent color to graphite, then you get those gray window controls. So the stoplights, instead of red, yellow, green, are just, are just gray, like they are in graphite now. Uh, the other seven retain the red, yellow, green stoplight look. So if you like your window controls being all gray, you have to use the graphite uh, highlight co- uh, accent color. Graphite accent is also supposed to disable desktop tinting. So what we talked about earlier, where the color temperature of the dark mode changes based on your wallpaper, this accent, graphite accent, is supposed to disable that. It doesn't seem to be working in the first developer beta. Uh, I'm sure they'll get that fixed. But in the sessions, I believe they said if you're in graphite, we're just going to give you a flat, a flat gray. We're not going to tint it. Um, so graphite is a little more subdued, and like the dark mode in the graphite accent. Really looks subdued. It's really flat. It, it really sort of fades away. I think it's a really professional, nice look, uh, but it's one that um, I'm not sure everyone's going to love. I think some. I think a lot of people are going to want the the multicolored stoplights.
2: Yeah, I I I like uh, graphite and have been using that forever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I just said it once and then left it. So tell me how easy is it for an app to switch over like is apple doing anything to turn apps dark
0: mode on their own or developers have to to do something so you've got to build your app against the 10.14 sdk if you use any images like static images for buttons or ui that those are going to need to be addressed especially if you like if they don't have transparency on them so if you have a button image that has a background And that background's invisible normally because of the way the UI is built. That's going to be visible now because the UI behind you might change colors and then your button is kind of floating on top with its border. Uh, So there's stuff like that you've got to do. Apple also is encouraging developers to not necessarily use fixed colors in their user interfaces. If you have like a – so if you're like Overcast, you have a branded orange, right? Uh, That's fine. But if you are just a regular Mac app, you're just using, you know, reds and greens and blues to denote different things in your UI. Apple wants you to use the system colors for that. They're their system calls, like use system UI red, system UI orange or whatever. And if you do mm-hmm. that, those are slightly different between the light and dark appearances. And that that means your app will feel more more at home. It'll be more harmonious. It'll be less jarring uh, as a user switches the modes or just operates in dark mode all the time. So None of that seems like crazy amounts of work to me. Again, I'm not a developer, so if it's crazy amounts of work for your Mac app, I'm sorry. But um, Apple's pitching it at least to be like, it's not a big deal. Like If you've been building Mac apps in the modern way, then yeah, it's going to be a little bit of work, but you're not having to like blow up your UI and start completely from scratch. And uh, I think that's good because I think that a lot of people are going to use this. And I think if your Mac app... Doesn't conform to it or doesn't do a good right. job of it, then you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And I guess you know there are
2: going to be apps that aren't going to be updated, but it looks like for any app that receives any kind of attention, more, like you know, it, it, recently, you're going to be okay.
0: Yeah, I think that's true for all this stuff. Like if you were keeping up and you were building your app against each new release and taking advantage of what they're telling you to do. Then it's not the end of the world when something yeah. big comes down the pipe, and it's only like how on iOS
2: you'll see like a far too large keyboard for a while, right? Yeah, you know,
0: it's just it's stuff like that. Yeah, your apps not um, gonna. I have one gonna last break, you know.
2: I have one last question for mm-hmm. you actually, because I've seen people talking about this, and Apple's website isn't very
0: clear. Is there a way to have dark mode apply automatically at night? Uh, if there is, it is not currently exposed in system preferences with the other stuff. There may be a way to do it on the command line. There may be a way coming, but they did not discuss it in the in the sessions. Uh, best I can tell. And this is, but what if you have that thing? Because they, there's a
2: desktop that wallpaper that changes, yes. right?
0: And that doesn't change it to dark mode. Uh, I don't. I don't think it does because right now I have that that desktop set, and it hasn't changed it back to light mode. So, okay. I, I may be wrong, but best I can tell that is not the case. Um, the only way to change it is to go in there and change it yourself. Now that said, night shift is part of dark mode and it's really bizarre. Like it feels like dark mode is brighter the later in the day you get, <laughs> uh, cause it warms it up and it, it, it it's sort of a weird effect, oh. I'm not sure if there's more fine tuning to do there, or I'm just not used to it yet because I've been using night shift on the Mac for a while now in the regular appearance, so uh, my my gut says they're still like fine tuning that in dark mode, and I think it will improve, but it's a little weird right now it it's still you know it does the temperature shifting correctly, but in doing so it it looks a little strange in places interesting yeah i can
2: I could see that'cause like in theory you might not need Night Shift to affect the
0: dark mud stuff in any way, right? Yeah. All right. So have you got anything else you wanted to add on this? No, I think that's it. Uh, I, I think that's a pretty comprehensive look. If you want to see more or see a bunch of screenshots, there's a blog post in the uh, ye olde show notes. Which you can find where, Stephen? Wrap us up. Uh, so show notes this week, relay.fm slash connected slash 197. Getting so close to that 200 mark. Um So all the stuff we talked about is there. Uh, Tickets for our New York show. Come out and see us. Um, All that stuff is there. There's an email link there. You can send us an email with feedback. Or you can do it on Twitter, like most people do. Uh, You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. And Mike is the host of a bunch of shows on Relay. So if you like this podcast, I I bet there's a bunch of other stuff on Relay FM that you would enjoy. You can find Federico on Twitter as V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, which has as we talked about, a dark mode. So you can read it uh, in the dark and not wake up your loved ones, not melt your eyeballs. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and I write at 512pixels.net. And until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.